All right, welcome to episode 18 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast with uh, yours truly, Ryan Corey, uh, coming to you today from uh, the end of the Calgary Bike Show and uh, joined with uh, a special guest, uh, some guy named Tyler Hamilton and uh, his buddy, uh, Jim. Jim, how do you say your last name? Cap- uh, Capra. Capra, okay. Uh, from the States. I ran into them. Uh, they're, they're sort of interested in bike packing, so we thought we'd have a little chat. And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. So episode 18, uh, thanks for everyone that's been listening. And um, we had a, a good number of people come up uh, at the show saying that they've been listening and uh, really appreciated it. And actually had a couple emails from some people in the U.S. today uh, with some suggestions on interviews. And, um, you know, as I've said in the past, I really appreciate the feedback. And uh, I know a lot of people are listening, but I feel like I'm kind of operating in a bubble. So um, please, by all means, uh, send your comments, your feedback uh, to me, Ryan Corey, at uh, info at uh, bikepack.ca. That's the best way to reach me. So, uh, disclaimer here, I I apologize if there's any uh, background noise, Um, got a fan blowing behind us and we have people tearing down from the show, but it's it's real, we're in the moment, it's not polished, right, as these things maybe should be. Um, So, I I was saying to the guys that, um, you know, normally with with these interviews I have, um, you know, a set of prepared questions and uh, kind of more of an intro. And uh, I, I struggled with this one. I thought about it uh, quite a bit. And uh, I didn't really do, you know, the, the intro justice. And it was, it was kind of on purpose. And we'll get into it. But uh, I, I didn't know exactly where to take this conversation. Um, I had an idea of where I thought I wanted it to end up, ideally. But, um, you know, I, I think we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just keep this one organic. It won't be totally prepared. And it's just, you know, three guys having a conversation. And... Uh, you know, little to no edits, and this is as real as, as it's going to get. Questions as they come to my mind. Um, I think, you know, I think why it was tough for me to to come up with questions uh, for this is, you know, now I've now heard um, Tyler speak at both the, the Edmonton and Calgary bike show, and uh, you know, Tyler a bit more of his backstory. He's uh, you know former professional road cyclist and um, competed in eight. Tour de France, so one of the toughest cycling events uh, known to man, and you know, right up there with some of the things I've done with you know, Race Cross America, and um, you know, clearly or easily the Tour Divide. So you know, the Tour de France is you know one claim to fame, and then uh, I don't want to say claim to fame, but you know, arguably, what he's kind of known for now is uh, uh, you know coming out as as one of the guys behind the scenes that uh, took performance enhancing drugs to to stay and, and compete at the level he was competing at. And uh, he was sharing stories from his his book, The the Secret Race. I, I've now read it twice. I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, when I get back, I'm going to send you a link to my original. I did a review on it, I'm pretty sure, on my blog. So I haven't looked at it since we've chatted, but I'm going to nice. see if I can find it. Cool. Just to see if I'm, I'm full, of, full of it. But uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I give it, I'm pretty sure I give it good praise early on. So Secret Race is, uh, you know, about the, the inside scene, about uh, his time with the U.S. Postal, um, about, uh, you know, some of the inner workings uh, with the doping program, um, which, which on one, on one, you know, on one side is, is, is kind of the sensationalized story that it's, it's very easy. I, I know we could probably spend a whole podcast just on that, 
And uh, I know that's where the majority of the questions tend to go. And uh, so where I struggled with, with the questions is um, it would be very easy to do a podcast just on that. I know a lot about your story and Jim, I've gotten to know you a little bit. So Jim, Jim is the lead on the, uh, the Tyler Hamilton, uh, the training business that they have down in the States. And um, so, yeah, the obvious question would be about doping. About, you can ask any question you want. It, no we'll, okay, we'll, we'll touch on it a bit. Sure, we'll provide sure. some context of yeah, like absolutely. how we ended up in this room. For sure. But, um, and I tried to steer it a few ways like uh, during your talks with questions. Like, to, on some <clears> sense, it's <throat> sensationalist when we, we want to hear it. But on the other hand, it's kind of depressing, not just for like the people that were really followers. But God, I, I can only imagine like really wear it on you guys to just keep drudging this stuff over and over. And, you know, it clearly is, it's not going to be over and done with until, you know, the, the main characters drop their guard and, or, you know, Lance settles his case on, on whatever level that happens. So you're going to still be talking about it for a while. But I wanted to try to touch on it a little, but I want to understand more, like, what your relationship is with, with um, the bike these days and uh, go kind of more the unconventional route. So Cool, cool. You know, Tyler, um, if you were to give kind of a, a pitch of like, you know, what your book's about and what your story's about, you know, why, why are people coming to the show to hear your story? Well, what is your elevator pitch about who you are? I mean, I don't really have an elevator pitch about myself. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really like talking about myself in general. Yeah. I'm a pretty shy guy. Um, but I guess, I've, you know, I've been in the spotlight, so to speak, a little bit, so I've had to sort of embrace that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I what I come to talk about is just the truth you know what what I went through what um, you know how how my career started uh, what I was introduced to you know what I did a lot of my professional career you know the, the dark side of it yeah. uh, I like to be honest now you know for a long time I covered it up I lied about it I pr- protected myself I protected my teammates I protected the peloton yeah. you know we had the omerta the code of silence and um you know, little did I know that was the a huge mistake. And, yeah. You know, um, it's all about now being truthful, being transparent. Yeah. So and when just sharing, just sharing. You know, I don't mind talking about the ugliness. It's because it was pretty ugly, yeah. very ugly. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people can learn from my mistakes for yeah. sure. So, um, so you can feel, you can ask anything. Well, you want. I appreciate <clears> that, but it's and we okay. We talked about this a little bit. We we did podcasts with the guys from the bike show and. You know, I mentioned the fact that, like, you've written a book and, you know, I have one. And <clears throat> when people see you on TV and do interviews, you, you turn into characters in people's minds. And you're sometimes they forget that you're real people. And, you know, one of the things that I think uh, I said that you've done really well is um, I think you've navigated this, this, the doping confession quite a bit better than other people. And it feels real. It feels honest. And now, to me, as, like, a fan, it's at the point where... I not only want to forgive you um, and like, you know, be that fanboy again, but I want to like, I want to hear about like all the, like the positive things in your life. I, I, I think it's important to get the, the, the obvious questions out, sure, but yeah, we'll sure. get back into it. So um, as far as like um, the professional years go, where, where do kind of your paths and, and Lance Armstrong's path cross? Like what year and, you know, what was going on? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think the first time I ever raced against him was 
think in 1994, Tour de Pont. It was an oh, yeah. East Coast stage race. It was like a 10-day stage race. The, was it the Tour de Pont then? Or was it, was it the, the Tour, Tour de, de Trump? No, it was the Tour de Pont. It was yeah. the Tour de Pont. At one time, it was called the Tour de Trump. Um, I, I believe that was the first time I raced against him. Um, I was on the U.S. national team. Yeah. Um, and he, he was, was a, a big... He was a professional at that. Yeah, he was one of the best in the world at the time. Yeah. I think he won the... Yeah, the world championships the year before. Yeah. How old are you then? Um, I was a young buck. I don't know, young tw- early twenties, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, green. I was pretty green. I was in college the year before. And, um, luckily, in the Tour de Pont, they invited the you know, a couple of amateur teams, and yeah. the national team was one of them. So. Packville or where? I was it pretty much Packville. I had a couple of good results. I uh, I had a great prologue. Yeah, I just went for it as an ex downhill ski racer, so yeah. there were a lot, a lot of uh, turns and wet cobblestones that I took a lot of big risks on. And I think I finished like fifth or sixth on, this, yeah. on the prologue, so that was cool. That was a good start. I think I, I think I beat Lance that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then quickly, quickly the truth came out, and you know, yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was pretty bulky still from cyc- from uh, ski racing. Yeah. So once we hit the mountains, I was pretty much packed though. yeah you said cycling um jim we're going to very much include you in on this conversation but <laughs> we're I, good were you, I, I enjoy you, being a casual observer as well yeah so. were you did you guys know each other at this point or? no we had uh known each other in boulder and more through the the coaching company and and, and helping others yeah. um we so. probably didn't know each other for another like 15 years yeah oh, okay okay yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you were saying that you got into cycling um, because you'd uh, had an injury in uh, skiing, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I was a ski racer, so what we did in the summertime was a lot of cross-training activities, uh, plyometrics, running, uh, cycling. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a background there. Then I, uh, I broke my back training with the ski team at the University of Colorado okay. in 1992, I believe. Yeah. And then... Uh, I was in bed for like six or eight weeks, and when I got out of bed, they said I could ride a road bike. Yeah. And, and you, so I couldn't ski that winter, and then, uh, yeah, little did I know Boulder, Colorado is a huge cycling town. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Interesting. So, yeah, um, I got out on the roads around Boulder, and then you just bump into guys who are pros, top amateurs. And, yeah. You know, back then it was like Coors Light team, and yeah. uh, what else? The Motorola team. Motorola. So you see guys around. Yeah. Yeah, and I quickly, and then I joined the University of Colorado cycling team and won the collegiate national championship, and then then I was invited to ride on the U.S. national team. Okay. I did that for a year and then turned professional. Right. So it happened really fast. So do you do you go right to the Tour de France? Like what? Uh, and then two years later, yeah. two years later, I was on the start line in the Tour de France. So I was uh, pretty green. Yeah. I, I think I was certainly one of the greener riders to ever race in the Tour. Yeah. 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 So what what year was that? That was 1997, my first tour. Yeah. And that was with Postal? That was with the U.S. Postal Service. Yep. Yeah. Yep. With the Bad News Bears, you were calling? The Bad News Bears. Yeah. What, what, what's, what was the bus? Chitty, Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang? Bang Bang, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. Uh, well, things like that stand out <coughs> for sure. Um, and I think that's 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 a big part of like why got, people started rooting for you. Like everyone loves the underdog story, right? And especially, I love, I've always loved the, being the underdog or rooting for the underdog. And, yeah. um, th- those were special years, the, those early years when people didn't expect much out of us. Yeah. So, you know, what 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 were like those first couple of years um, where you found success and? Um, yeah. So let's see. I rode cup two years, sort of like. Um, 
as a domestic pro, we would travel to Europe a little bit and race there, but uh, we were probably 70% of the time racing stateside. Yeah. And we'd go over to Europe. Some of the races would get our butts kicked. Other races would do well well in and then uh, but 90, 1997 my third year as a professional was when we took a step up which we got brought in some big riders Ekimov mm -hmm. Adriano Baffi mm -hmm. guys who were already proven yeah. and uh, staff members you know European staff members and you know where this is going probably right yeah yeah you know and then uh, well let's let, let's just do yeah. it let's just oh, get yeah. it out of the way you know yeah. we're you know and our our goal then was to get the wild card selection to ride in the Tour de France so they, yeah. I think there was two or three wild card slots left and you know that was the team's goal it was to ride in the Tour yeah. and uh, yeah the rest is history the rest right? is you history. run some tours and the rest is history yeah. what's, it, what's Co it like what's it like winning the Tour de France you know winning Tour de France team yeah it was pretty special pretty special um, 1999 was the first year I was there with, to help Lance win the Tour yeah. that was a uh, yeah, it was a special year. We, we, were, we were still the bad news bears. Nobody expected us to, right. to win. Um, you know, there were all the big teams and big buses and lots of glitz and glamour. We were in a couple of rented campers. And, um, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was before, you know, the team got real big and obviously things took off in a different yeah. direction. Those were still the years when you were kind of surprising everybody, surprising yourself. And, yeah. So, you know, uh, to, to the surprise of really no one, you know, we kind of understand <clears throat> why guys doped, why the Peloton doped, and, yeah. you know, the almost the necessity of, you know, being Americans coming over to, com to compete, right? Like, yeah. if we're being honest, right? If you're going to compete, and that's what, you know, is the, whatever, the game that's being played, you're not going to win unless you're competing, right? Yeah. yeah. So... I don't think we need to go into all the ins and outs of blood bags and red pills and it's yeah. it's don't get me wrong it's 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 fascinating stuff yeah but if if you want to hear about that um you know we'll we'll get a link to the podcast we did with the bike show and and really you got to pick up the the book that um Tyler did with Dan Coyle uh it it goes into detail like Numbers, stats, you know, what are... I, yeah, what's I can talk about it if you want, no problem. <laughs> I'd ask what your elevator <laughs> pitch is, but yeah. Um, it, yeah, I, I just, I want to talk about, like, this, this, this stuff beyond the bike, right? Like, I think people know who you are. They know that you, they know that you dope, they know Lance dope, they know that U.S. both they know that everyone dope, right? Um, I don't think we need to get into the, the ins and outs, they can read the book. Um, you know, a question I kept trying to bring up, you know, when was the last time you, you rode professionally? Uh, 2009. Okay. Was, that yeah. was with, was it rock it was racing? Rock racing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. You guys are being, uh, you're kind of the rebellious crew. If yeah, I remember. It was pretty fun. Not quite was, accepted yet. Not quite accepted yet, but it was, it was a fun team to ride on. You had really cool jerseys too. It was like a black and red. It had yeah. like a, like a tattoo feel to it or something. Yeah. Yeah. The bad boys of cycling, yeah. And, sorry, when was that again? 2009. Okay, do you guys know each other yet at this point? Uh, 2009 is when we started knowing each other, yeah. 
Oh, and how did you guys That was my meet? last yeah. year as a professional. Um, and I started coaching gym. Yeah, working with the, the coaching business in Boulder. It's Even though there's a million cyclists there, it's still a pretty close-knit community. And yeah. Tyler had the coaching company, and, and uh, I was getting help from him. And then, uh, you know, it, it was a good fit. And kind of rest became history. I ended up becoming the, the head coach of Tyler Hamilton Training, which is what we both do now. Um back uh stateside but we work with people all over the world yeah i i was asking you know with the people coming to the booth today you know did the large part of them know who you were or do they just see you as a training business and like you know just ask random questions and i said to, I, I kept saying to sarah i think even before the we met you guys i said i, I wish you could see have known me when i was following the u.s postal scene and like drank the kool-aid up and you know i i my first road bike was a trek bike and really? you know i had the trek project one and it was yellow nice nice. you know like i i drank it up i had a u.s postal jersey i had you know the the tour vhs and you got the cap too right yeah i got a cap uh from uh thomas uh mr thomas weisel from uh, san francisco not from him personally but nice. from yeah he was one of the sponsors <laughs> yep, right of yep, the team big yeah. sponsor I, yeah, I just said I wish she could she could have seen like what this what this means to me like I don't know if I'm like in a bubble I don't think I am but th- like to me this is really cool and I, I said like just just meeting you guys and getting to talk to you it's been like therapy honestly oh, it's, really? but it's really cool for us because we met you you know less than a month ago and we've become huge fans of, of you and what you're doing so yeah. it's the feeling's mutual I guess without completely dominating the conversation here i've got some questions maybe you can you know you're sharing your experiences you were a a hardcore fan of the postal and everything that was going on then um what's the process been for you as as a fan um and you know maybe believing one thing and then different truths start to come out and you're probably i don't know maybe let down or disappointed and and hearing more of the story how how does that process been been for you as a fan i mean what's that like uh it's a wow yeah that's, that's a, a good question yeah it's a good question um so you know i, I mentioned that i was a fanboy, and i would say a large part of like why i got into road racing like in canada there's it's there has very rarely existed like a road racing like respected road racing scene there's don't get me wrong there's people that are good at lots, it yeah, but the pool is of people that are doing it sure. is considerably smaller for a variety of reasons, right? So to see you guys, you know, obviously it wasn't on anyone's radar until you're winning the Tour de France, right? And then all of a sudden it's everywhere, right? And then all of a sudden to see cycling like legitima- leg- legitimized as a, a career path was was pretty inspiring for someone that came from the hockey world and, you know, left with you know a middle finger right in the air and just mm-hmm. you know like i said to you yeah. i've been on skates twice i think in well, almost 18 years Jeez. right yeah wow and um so i was i was very passionate about it and you know as i think as as more tour victories wore on so you know obviously you were with postal for a number of those and then yeah you went on to lead other you know csc and and phone act sure and, um, have your own respective success and I think as it became more in, in the consciousness and you know we uh, doping started to 
come across the sea too. Sure. Like, you know, France guys are all saying something's up. This isn't normal, right? Yeah. Right. We, none of us really wanted to believe it or we didn't maybe think that much of it. And, um, but you would have, you know, people that didn't really know much about cycling saying, oh, what do you think? Do you think they're doping in that? And it would, like, we would just kind of let it slide and not think much of it. Did you, would you get defensive or feel like you had to defend riders or the sport, right? I would. Cause I, yeah. I, I, I did and I do appreciate that it still required a ton of uh, discipline, training, um, mental fortitude, and sheer strength. Like, um, you know, I don't... I'm not the world's expert on, on doping, but I know enough that you still had to be a very good athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And just to show you how naive I was, I don't think, yeah, this isn't in the book. So when I was working in the film and television world, I pitched a bunch of ideas and uh, for documentaries. And one of them was, what if you took a cyclist like me and put him on a doping program and covered that in a documentary? The production company, super intrigued. Really? But they said, from an ethical standpoint, they couldn't get behind that. Right. So anyways, this was right around when, when it all kind of came to light. But I remember I was, I was working at Starbucks. I was still kind of navigating my way with Hammer and trying to make a... The, the company's pretty small up here and trying to like establish a career with it. And uh, So I was working at Starbucks and all, the, all of it was coming down and the, the, the investigations and... I was writing um, my book at the time, and the U.S. Postal story figures in so much. Like, there's so many encounters. Like, I was down at Ride for Roses, Lance's thing, I, various encounters over the year with different characters. I never met you guys, uh, unfortunately. But um, and then it comes out, and the, the the last chapter of the book was eventually was the the first draft of it was me reconciling what I thought about all this. So essentially, you know, the, the, the long story short is, you know, a kid that believed in Santa Claus and then, you know, finds out he's not real. And how do you reconcile that as an adult? And uh, I, I didn't have an answer for that. I didn't know how to bring that around. Um, so I kept it to what I, I felt the story was largely not... I stayed away from what was the obvious sensationalized last chapter. Like Lance just came out, he's on Oprah. What do I think about it? Right. It's not about the bike, but you know, anyways. So I kept it back to my father and I. Yeah. And I'm like, I need some time to process what this is all about. And, um, you know, you know, with, with time away from it, I think you get perspective. And you know, I wrote in the book I gave to you that, I think one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from this, and it goes for like any Hollywood movie, is is there's no such thing as like uh, holy good people and holy evil people. It's just you know relatively good people trying to navigate murky waters. Yeah. And you're all yeah. and you say in your talk, right? Everyone is faced with difficult decisions where you might fudge your resume or you might lie here or there to get ahead. So. You know, we're all faced with these decisions. This year, yours was in the spotlight. So, you know, perspective gained that that important lesson, not to judge people as black and white. Yeah, I think that was good. And I'm I have my own faults. I've written about some of them. There's some I've never, you know, I don't know if I'll personally ever talk about. But so when I look at it like that, I like, I'm a flawed person. 
We all are. We all are for sure. You know, there's there's an appreciation. Um, but I was really intrigued when they said you guys were coming up for this, and one, I was excited as a past fanboy, but there was something else I couldn't put my finger on. And honestly, that that first weekend when you guys were up in Edmonton, I said to Sarah, I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I felt like I was gonna cry almost. Grown, and I don't, wow. I don't ever like just something's like inside of me where it's like this is, it's not Tyler Hamilton the doper, and Jim the 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 sidekick right you know leading these trying to um, take advantage of the story to get training clients and that I'm like no these are like real people we're hard real work, people we're hard feeling, workers uh, I made a lot of mistakes idea. and yeah for sure we all we all have um, so maybe what you're hitting on and, and something that that interests me is you had said that um, you refer to you know this whole thing as character characters you know some you idolized or whatnot yeah. and then more recently you met some of them and it's been therapeutic for you and in, in what way yeah i so i went on a really long tangent there and you know it, some of this i we we've already talked about so some of it we're kind yeah. of rehashing for the podcast but <sighs> therapy and the fact that so to me, I know you might not have the same relationship with a bike anymore. And I've, I've gone back and forth with, you know, doing Ram. I'm like, I'm done with bikes. Like, yeah, I'm ready to move well, on. It's kind of like you in hockey a little bit. Right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit. But uh, like it or not, like, this is, this is the path I've chosen. Like, this sure. is all I know. And that it's not just my story. It's, it's there's the industry side. There's, there's the role models I used to look up to. And as I said in the podcast with the, the bike show guys, I'm like, I, th- I feel like we're in a state of purgatory where, you know, bike shale, bike sales aren't necessarily on the rise, you know, like they, like they were truck sales and things like that. Sure. You don't have the, the same inspired narrative anymore. You have flashes of guys winning races and that's cool. But I don't think of in- cycling as this like inspired thing anymore. Right. And I think that's why I maybe retreated to the back country a little bit. And, um, so to to see you guys and to see your talk and then when you first did your talk I'm like oh yeah I kind of want to hear some of the the stories and the, the sensationalist yeah, side but as, yeah, as soon as you yeah. did it I'm like okay it's done mm-hmm. like this guy's admitted everything he's you've not only served a band but you've been ostracized from a lot of the relationships that you had friendships industry like you you've paid your due like there's people that have murdered people that have gotten out of jail earlier than you have, right? And, you know, whether you think that or not, right? I, to me, it's like you admitted it, you moved on, and more importantly, I got to know you guys as not, a char- as, not as characters, but as, like, people. And I think that's an important part of this, like, kind of reconciliation is that you're people, you know, I'm a person, you make mistakes, I make mistakes, and when we can relate on that level... And to know that you're still a cool dude, you're not out there to be vindictive. Um, to to see you guys as human beings, it's like like I said to Sarah, I don't know what it is, but I'm in like this weird state where <laughs> it's 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 therapy. It's 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 it is emotional. I can't pinpoint it exactly. But it, it feels really good. It's unfortunate that I, I feel like you're the only one that I personally can think of that has navigated these waters the way you have. You know, I think a lot of the characters are still holding on to 
you know the the fame as long as yeah. as long as they can. But yeah. like, can I just interrupt real quick? Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. talking. I'm but talking. no, no, you're doing great. Yeah. This is awesome. Um, you know, a lot of us. I'll speak kind of for my generation of guys. You know, yeah. the, the U.S. postal guys that I came in with. You know, when we arrived at the at the top tier of the sport over in Europe, you know, cycling at that level was rotten with doping, rotten. You know, my first Tour de France that I did in 1997, there was 210 starters. I'd be surprised if five were clean. It was, I mean, it was that rotten. And if if there were five that clean were clean, I would be, I'd want you to show, you know, point them out because I don't know. I almost wouldn't believe it. It was that prevalent. You know, teams were carrying doping products all with them. You know, in 1998, the Festina affair happened. Pretty much all the teams were. had doping products with him. It was that was what was expected out of you. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Did I know it was wrong? Of course. Did we all know it was wrong? Yeah, all yeah. of us did. None of us wanted to go to have to do those things. But at that time, for most of us, it was either you do it or you go home. And um, it's, it was like and, a spy and not, novel. And not it. everybody <laughs> has maybe been as truthful. Or you, maybe you want to hear some more of the truth from them, but you know it's it's a pro, it's been a process for all of us. You know we're all in some sort of process. Yeah, I've had a little bit more time to probably process it than some of these some of my old teammates yeah. have had. And so you know maybe it's just time. Maybe over time you're going to hear more of it. Um, I just think you know, I find it fascinating as like a a fan. So I follow Lance's podcast. Like I was very open about you know like obviously you know the relationship there and. You know, here's a guy that still has, you know, millions of downloads of a podcast. He's got thousands of people following him every day on whatever he does, navigating this water. And, you know, rotate to you, know, rotate to you guys. And it's, it's, it's actually hard to find out what Ty- Tyler Hamilton's up to. It's, it's very apparent that you're not really going out of your way to be, a, you know, in the public eye. You're just... A guy living in Montana, you know, running a coaching business. Yeah. But it, it's the weirdest thing. I said to Sarah, I'm like, like, he's no different than, like, Lance. I mean, like, he's, he's shoulder to shoulder with this guy, right? Like, Lance is just the one that's, you know, to some extent gets the glory, right? But, like, t- this guy was shoulder to shoulder with him. And, you know, you've got, like, 800 people following you on Facebook or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> I... That's all right. No, it, it's, it's trust me. It's very all right, but it's it's hum, it's it's refreshing. Um, but yeah, long story short, to get to know you as a, a person, um, it's been therapeutic. It's important, and uh, but they, like I've heard the story now, and I, I want to get into like life beyond, life beyond that scene because sure, that's not that's not your life, right? That's that's a story. In your I life. still talk about it a lot, you know. Yeah, sure. and, you know, I, I'm open to yeah, but I'm open to talking about it anytime. So to anybody, what's really what's your what, what's what's day to day like for 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 Tyler and Jim these days? Yeah, I think that we're we're both pretty lucky in that we're still able to, you know, Tyler's still in, involved in a beautiful sport that he can appreciate from more of a distance right now. But we have this coaching company and and uh, we collaborate on that together on a regular basis you know daily yeah and uh for me um i live in in colorado and in a beautiful place and i'm lucky enough to be able to interact with 
the friends and athletes that that we coach and um you know every day i'm on, I'm on the computer writing training plans and changing workouts etc um lucky enough to get out with clients in boulder uh on the bike and do some riding also alone yeah. for myself so uh the bike's a, a big part of my life for sure every day and, and i'm grateful for that yeah. Yeah. Are you, yeah. So are you still riding a bike? Or I you... still ride occasionally. I think I think the last <laughs> time I rode, a, like you know, put on put on a chamois, put on spandex, and went outside. It was I think it was November, so it's been a while. Does it? But I'll ride my cruiser you bike downtown. You yeah. know, I go to I do a lot of yoga now, and yeah. um, I'll ride my cruiser bike downtown. Yeah. Sometimes, so, uh, but I'll get you know it's it's warming. Some up of that's because of Montana yeah, winters too. I do live too. in Montana. Yeah. So Tyler well, keeps me busy. Yeah. Um, Living there in downtown Missoula, um, home of adventure it. cycling. Yeah, home of adventure cycling. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the winter, we're just finishing our ski season. I'm a ski coach in the winter. Yeah, uh, I used to ski race when I was like, up through college, and so yeah, now I um, I coach the local race team up at our local hill called the Montana Snowball. So that keeps me busy in the winter. I'm up on the hill about four days a week. Um, that's awesome, and it's kind of. It's what I grew up doing. It was really my first sport that I was truly in love with. And you couldn't do it while you were uh, racing yeah. pro, right? Yeah, most of the time it was in my contract that I couldn't ski. So yeah. I kind of grew up on skis, so it's, it's really what I, I love to do. So um, it's come, come full circle, really. It kind of has, yeah. I enjoy that. I love working with kids. It's, so I work with 8- to 14-year-olds. Yeah. So, yeah. And I share with them, you know, what I went through. You know, they, they've learned some of my lessons and... Um, for some of them, maybe it's they're a little bit some of, some of the younger ones. Maybe it's a little bit too early for that. But, yeah, you know, as they you know, I think after you know, 11, 12 years old, it's important to share yeah. share with with them some of my mistakes that I made and you know how they can prevent themselves from going through similar things. You know, do you find um, that uh, parents wanting to get their kids into coaching? Do they have any apprehensions knowing? I think maybe a few early on did, but yeah, I think once they get to know me, I think a lot of it's kind of let their guard down a little bit and yeah i speak i spoke to the the whole northern division we had a championship race recently at big sky montana i spoke in front of all the parents and kids and mm-hmm. kind of shared my story with them uh but yeah winter time takes I, I ski a lot coach a lot um work on the training business i try to get in i don't know do yoga five days a week it's been really good for me i've had a lot of old injuries and yeah that's that's helped me a lot um, it's also really good for your head, you know. It's um, definitely takes out a lot of the stress out of your life. You know, when you do feel stressed out, you go to a yoga class. And yeah, it's been great. And I don't know. I think all the years on the bike, all the wipeouts that I took, you know, I smashed my body mm-hmm. hard a lot. <laughs> and uh, so that's been good. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll start riding a little bit in the summertime. We we have camps. Yeah. That we'll do together. Like, you know? do but I kind of have to do a couple weeks get in shape a little bit. bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I don't need to be in top shape anymore for that stuff. You know, yeah. I, uh, the, I, our ideal clients are weekend warriors. Yeah. And, you know, they don't have a ton of time either to ride. So usually I can hang with them okay. I like paddleboarding a lot. I spend a lot of time paddleboarding the rivers around Missoula, Montana. Yeah. Nice. I enjoy that. Um, get out on the mountain bike once in a while. Yeah. Regular. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of a regular guy now. Normal. Yeah. I don't like to be really special at anything anymore. Yeah. You know, I kind of. Yeah. I, you know, sport. Got, I love sport. Yeah. I've always, you know, growing up as a kid, I was kind of a quiet, shy kid. But I, 
I always um, sort of spoke through sport. I was a good soccer player, good downhill ski racer. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, it got to a point where it was absolutely crazy. And it's, um, I don't know, I've just had to, I've just backed off from that and kind of wanted to just kind of fall back in love with the sport the way I did, way the way it was as a kid, really. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's yeah. taken some time. For a while, I hated cycling. Yeah. You know, I really did. I really, there was a lot of pain there. And, um, but, you know, with, with, with everything, time heals, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, I've come a long ways, that's for sure. You know, there were some dark, dark moments there for a while. So, you know, the, the coaching business is well established, and we'll, we'll get into the bikepacking chat in a second. Oh, here, yeah, but I want to talk about that. <clears throat> so it, would you say you've started an, a, like a definitive new chapter here, or that includes still part of the story, but you've, you've kind of moved on? I've moved on, yeah, but yeah. I, I am more than happy to share you know yeah share my story about the past you know the good the bad the ugly all of it you yeah know? And if, you know if people just want to talk about the ugly you know because a lot of people have questions about it it's no problem you know I'm, as you saw yesterday I, yeah you, you talked for like an hour about, and a half at yeah, least no just pro- it's no problem it's you know yeah. it's it's easier to talk about today it's but you know as i said before it's you know time has healed one thing that i thought was interesting with the questions is like normally when you get an audience asking questions, um, what happens is it, it follows like a line of uh, progression. Yeah. Someone will ask a question and think someone will think to ask, uh, you know, a different question kind of related. And it usually ends up at this, you know, unique arc where you've reconciled everything and everything's been answered. Yeah. But I said to Sarah, I'm like, people just kept hammering, <laughs> kept rounding back, rounding back, rounding back. And I, I, yeah. I, I want to know about this next chat. I want to know about this next Tyler and this next the the partnership with with Jim. So, you've got you've got camps. Um, um, you, you're still road cycling. You're doing a bit. Yeah, Jim, I've seen you on Instagram doing some mountain biking. Obviously, you got Colorado, Colorado Trail. And yeah, there's some great. of the divide out your way. Um, so more than mountain biking is probably traditional mountain biking is obviously out your way. And then Tyler's got terrible road cycling out in Montana, so maybe forced. It's not terrible. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ma- mountain biking's pretty good, and the gravel. I guess the gravel grounding's pretty good, too. Yeah. So I was telling the guys that, um, well, yeah, as we said, Adventure Cycling's based in uh, Missoula, and then uh, uh, Mac or uh, Michael McCoy, who, who mapped the Great Divide, um, you know, a lot of its roots come from the West uh, Yellowstone and... Uh, you know where you guys are that's it's on it's really kind of the birthplace of, of bike packing so missoula is an awesome place yeah so you know compared to canada you have uh, a lot more uh, force uh, more more of a forced um, road service network you have more uh, public lands that people are familiar with uh, for this sort of thing and uh, missoula is uh, kind of this hub away from the the craziness of the two coasts and uh, the nothingness of the the Kansas prairies that you know there's still a lot of activity and not a lot of people and yeah there there's some good pike packing potential out there and you know hopefully we can we can do some exploring and you know keep this keep this going but you know you you guys heard the talks like what did you know what bike packing was have you heard about it well you know this this is a funny story that you might might or might not like but um <laughs> i I've been loosely familiar with it and we've 
worked with some people that have done uh, bikepacking events. But, I mean, I think it's still, you know, if you look at cycling as a whole in North America, it's a pretty obscure sport. Yeah. Even at the highest level. And then you take a subset like bikepacking even more so. But, like, as I said, we came back, you know, from the show in Edmonton where we met you. And we came back as big fans. And I've been talking, I was talking with clients. And I was, I was telling somebody the other day about, yeah, this guy Ryan wrote an awesome book and did a talk about bike packing and they were like well I know how to pack my bike they thought it was like <laughs> packing it to travel on an airplane I so. <laughs> I had never thought of that yeah. and uh, Sarah serious. said the same thing to me today she's like someone came up to me and she said you might need to clarify what bike packing is like people think it's like the fold up bikes the, yeah like how do I travel on the airlines with my bike so I mean there, there's that side of it but um, no, to answer your question, I, I'm just in, intrigued. I think both Tyler and I are. And, and yeah. Just yeah. intrigued by the adventure. And what I love, and I think kind of fits our style as well, about just going out and having fun, is how, you know, you talk about anyone can do it. And it's not like, okay, you have to go out and buy this expensive bike and this, that, and the other. It's take what you have, be resourceful, and go out and have fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I love that. And I preach it this to weekend, too. In. Yeah. 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 Right. So you, you, you've had a couple uh, uh, clients that you've coached that have done the Tour Divide and things like that. So do you, I'm curious, I always thought about how I would approach this if I got into coaching. Because to me, uh, bikepacking is not only being a good uh, cyclist, but uh, being a you know, proficient outdoors person. Do you, from a coach, do you even try to tackle any of that or do you focus mainly on the cycling? No, I think it's, it's, it's both parts for sure. Um, bikepacking and especially in the crazy events that you've done it's a whole different animal you know so is where our, our typical client is often a pretty time crunched weekend warrior um we take the guesswork out and help them make the the best of their you know limited time whereas um with an individual who lives down in colorado that we helped with uh, the tour divide race our average client when it's just miserable outside you know, in Colorado, and it's 24 degrees and snowing. Well, yeah. We're going to give them a ride indoors on the trainer. Quick, efficient, in and out. Yeah. With this guy, it's like, all right, the weather's horrible. You need to get out there for several hours and yeah. ride in every kind of condition. But, yeah, it's it's a different beast for sure. It was new to us seeing, you know, bikes that are just massively heavy and, and loaded down. Because um, in traditional cycling or from the road world, you try to just – do anything you can to be a little bit wider and, and quicker but at the end of the day there are no secrets it's kind of the same model um it's just the 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 length and duration that you're that you're out there as far as from a particular coaching standpoint um we've worked with people in ram not solo um but four man four person and eight person teams and i think that the bike packing it's a similar training method where it involves a, just a lot of time um somebody that is more into conventional road cycling we might be doing more high-end interval type work and less you know slow saddle time endurance mm -hmm. um but it's interesting it makes it fun for us for yeah. sure and something that yeah, we, we want to become a, more involved in yeah we work with a variety of people all different ages and abilities yeah uh, but majority are weekend warrior types yeah P people busy with families business 
you know, running around with their heads cut, cut off. And we, yeah, like Jim was saying, we kind of take the guesswork out. And a lot of the times we actually have them ride a little bit less. Yeah. And they're getting stronger, you know. Obviously a lot of inter- interval work yeah. and the stuff that I used to do. And, um, yeah. It's, the best part about it is just seeing them, how excited they are after. You know, they work hard and yeah. just hearing their feedback on how much better they feel. One, one of the things, so I've always been like self-taught. I, I did go through yeah. a period when I, you know, when I first got into road racing where I was uh, working at the Olympic Oval and had a coach and we were on rollers and, you know, learned what intervals were and all yeah. that stuff. That, yeah. that lasted about a year because I got into doing the Pan American Highway and got back into yeah. just the long, slow and whatever. And I think in order to do well at the divide, I'm, I'm kind of taking a different approach for round three, so next year, hopefully, um, that I want a bit more objective nice. feedback, I think. Nice. So I might I might connect with you guys yeah, to get some. We'd love to help you. That'd yeah. be great. Because I, I have no problem, like, I'll be that guy that gets out in the bad weather. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, again, kind of operating in a bubble, I think just having someone to kind of hold you accountable. It's to, always, yeah, that's great. That's, that's it's hard point. It's hard to self-coach. I mean, it we've is. always found it that. Is. And just the, just knowing that someone else is looking at you kind of keeps you honest. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things I, I learned last year, so when I did the Arizona Trail last year, um, so one thing with bikepacking is getting your body used to just the, the rigors of being on, like especially in the racing, just going, going, yeah. going. and being in the back country and dust and heat and um, all the above right you know and, and not having a support crew and sort of having to take care of yourself and you know how to get rid of um, saddle sores and having some resistance built up and yeah i got through the arizona trail and i said to myself you know if i ever do the divide again i think i'm going to do the arizona trail as as like my training because you almost need to do a whole event not an event but like a, a whole trip just to get your body ready for what it's about to go on because you can you can be the most diligent cyclist on rollers or whatever through the the winter but when push comes to shove and you're in the backcountry and all the elements start coming at you yeah i think that that might be one of the the best kind of training you can do whereas you know the last time i did the, the divide i was down in arizona training and doing long rides and some intervals and that and but never really anything that was multi-day and you know, getting your body used to what it's like to not only ride all day, but to sleep on the ground. Yeah, right. Sure. And right. know what how to sleep properly, sure. and then to get up and and do it again. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll connect with you guys. I, I've sort of t- said to myself, I'm not just going to try to keep making the same, not necessarily errors, but you know, if my goal is to do better, I should try different. Yeah, think you know, outside the box. A little different. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. The the. The, you know some training in Colorado maybe and um, yeah some objective feedback so yeah. I, I think oh, coaching absolutely. does have a part in this discussion yeah oh, cool. uh, you, and cool. by all means come down to, to Colorado for sure it'd be fun to show you around I think you'd like it yeah I've never been to Boulder and obviously the Colorado trails right there yeah um, so you know you're 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 on the bike you're teaching guys Tyler's screwing around on his uh, on his uh, fix or his townie bike getting <laughs> coffees and doing yoga and Life sounds pretty no, good. I still get on the bike. Yeah, he can, you know, you know I, I, he's I always show up. The, we do training camps. He's, and I show up. he's yeah. always been modest and humble, and you know, yeah. he sells. He talks about how oh, I, you know, can try to keep up with the average client. He yeah. does just fine still. Yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. think you go from. Uh, <laughs> 
exactly. top pro exactly. cyclist to just um, a couch potato. But to reiterate <laughs> what you're saying, yeah, we, we both feel lucky to be able to be, you know, doing something that's fun and outdoors. Yeah. yeah. Grateful we, for yeah, that. Yeah, we get to work with a lot of great people. And, yeah. You know, it's fun to have all these relationships. And, yeah, we meet We got to come up here to Canada yeah, and meet we a lot meet of great people. Lots of interesting people like you. And, man, like, I don't know. I'm so, I never heard about all your... All your Hey, most people haven't. And I'm sorry about that. 60 yeah, minutes, come dude, call and I'll stud, tell the story. Right? You're a stud. You're a stud. <laughs> Huge respect. So oh, I'm you. about 60 pages away from yeah. finishing your So book. now as a, as a fanboy, I'll tell you, this might be one of the bigger compliments, but, yeah. you know, Tyler was known as being able to endure pain and being tough, but we've both been enjoying your book a ton. And, like, the, the other day, Tyler is just like, God, that guy... He's hard. He likes to take a beating. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty pretty strong endorsement there. The, 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 the problem with doing tough things is your your idea of what tough is always gets changed. Always changes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, and now the coach side of us comes out, and Tyler was saying, you know, Ryan, you need to, you need to be sure that you're functioning and mobile in, in 20 years. Yeah. And a biggest challenge in our job is – in coaching is saving people from themselves and showing them how to properly rest and recover. And we're always, you know, reminding you to listen to your body. And for us, for the average client, you know, everyone starts out wanting to show how hard they can go all the time. And we'll always tell them that what impresses us most is the person that can say, I'd need an extra day off. What, how do you recover? And, and how do you listen to your body beyond pushing it hard? Do you, because when you're working with us, if you do, there's going to be some rest involved. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think um, injury gives perspective. Yeah. Um, up until yeah. I did the, so up until 2010, everything was on the up and up. And uh, then I did this, you know, seven day stationary cycling world record, which right. on paper sounds a little goofy, but in the moment it was, it was a pretty tremendous thing to be a part of. Like from a community, yeah. small community. Yeah. Um, so up until then, I'd, I'd never had a really serious injury. I'd never really broken a bone. Um, you know, the odd sprain here and there. Sure. But not, nothing that I didn't really bounce back from in a week. And uh, that one, I, I'm really trying to hold back from swearing because sometimes I use swearing as a way to like express like just pain. But yeah, I won't swear. Um, that one messed me up. Yeah, and like for months on end to the point now where every day, you know, if I don't, if I'm not active, I ball up in tightness. Like activity one just keeps mm -hmm. me mobile. And, you know, it taught me that I need to, just the nature of the injury, I need to stretch and roll out for at least a half hour every day just to be like functional, not just to be, you yeah. know, okay on a bike. So it was... Injuries. It was painful to read in the book. About that. Well, I, I'll call that a win then on the writing front. Very, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, no, I, and I don't remember exactly how I wrote about it, but I, one of the side effects was I um, was having these really weird uh, reactions to food that I would eat. And, like, it took me, like, a couple of years just to eat oatmeal again because I was afraid of eating oatmeal. Like, I would have these really adverse reactions where I would just... Um, start puking and, and uh, you know I hate to be graphic but diarrhea after I had like a glass of water one day or my body was just so yeah. messed up right 
And I remember I'd be on the ground for like an hour, just like the room spinning. And uh, I was I was pretty sure. I like I think I'm on my way out a few times. Really? Yeah. I was. Yeah. I was. It was depressing. Man. Yeah, you were. Would you do it again? Um, I don't think I could do it. I say no. No. Yeah. I think you should not do the no. stationary bike. That particular. Yeah. There's always things that catch my attention now. Like there's I think a great divide. The divi- you know, divide, total, divide, total divide, divide. For sure. Yes. Yeah, more that's reasonable. A two thumbs up. <laughs> two. But I think the stationary bike world record. I don't. I don't think you need to do that. Yeah. After reading about it and hearing what you went through, and, and you know you can do it. Yeah. But, you know. The injury provides perspective, yeah, I think, yeah, and yeah. so you go from like a sort of a naive, invincible kid to an adult realizing yeah. that you age and yes. things break down, yeah. Yeah. and that I'd like to think that having that injury when I did, or ongoing injury, that it now has given me like an insight into like t- taking better care of myself, like on a daily basis. You know, where other guys just like totally fall apart one day, that now I'm much more cognizant of. You know, like when I was doing the divide, yeah. stretching, and um, I bought a roller at one point just to roll out yeah. and um, staying on top of that stuff. Because you, you understand, you, with injury, you have perspective on how everything's linked, I think. Yeah. You're you know, much more in tune with your body. Yeah. like That's fantastic. So in your, in your racing, um, for instance, the Tour Divide, and you talk about how at this point in your life you're diligent about... Um, you know, doing making your your stretching and rolling out a lifestyle and a routine and something that you have to do. How does that affect your racing now? While you're actually out there on on the bike in the middle of an event, I I think uh, you know I'm thinking of something like the 24 hours of adrenaline, so a 24 hour mountain bike race that we have in Canmore. Um, with the things that I've done, you you learn that. Um, it's the little things that get you to win. Yeah. It's the little tricks. It's not necessarily being the strongest rider. So being the most mobile, um, you know, pliable muscle that moves properly sure. when you get into the race, for one, knowing how to recover in between laps. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it uh, nonstop. You know, it's tough because nutrition obviously plays a big part in this discussion. But bike packing, you're, you're kind of limited to you know, often what you find at a convenience store. I try to get better over the years instead of, you know, Gatorade and yeah. all candy. It's like, okay, maybe water and, and nuts. And, yeah. you know, the, the line I like telling is the, like the, the frozen burritos at the back of the, the convenience store. And you're like, who, who dr- eats these things? Like, well, you do. <laughs> you're, you're now the biggest fan of these burritos. Yeah. That's a big s- life saving. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't claim at all that I have all the answers. Um, but I'm not, it's broken down the, the night being naive about it. And that if I needed to stop, like, uh, this last year I did, it, I had to stop in silver thorn for a day to ice my knees and stretch and kind of mentally regroup, um, knowing when to dial back to take care of your body is yeah. The laying on a floor for, you know, with the room spinning and barfing yeah. on yourself. Like I remember my sister walking in one day and I just had like puke all over and I couldn't move and she had to clean up after me. And, um, you don't, you definitely don't want to be back in that, that position, but it's, it's tough, right? The nature of what we do and enjoying activity and outdoors and bikes. And there is an inherent risk, right? For sure. We're not, but it could equally be said for 
someone who's not doing anything, right? That's yeah. immobile at a at a desk. You know, if if I sit at a desk and like write like writing, mm-hmm. as as you know, like with your book, you spend like could spend weeks in coffee shops and you know, if I don't do anything for a week I feel like garbage. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I for just sure. feel like I dove off a cliff. I don't know what like what would you add as far as like from a, a coach the things that you've seen that are important like, well I think you hit on it just listening to your body you know and, and um, doing the the little things to um, enable yourself to you know be thinking about what you're doing tomorrow so before, when we have we coach yeah, some people that, a lot of people that that race and you know we're always talking about you know, hydrate, you're, you're eating. And these events in tip in general are a little different than what you're talking about with bikepacking, but you know, we'll put reminders in people's trainings the night before a race or, you know, remember you're eating and drinking for tomorrow and yeah. eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty, yeah. but just making it part of a routine and for sure, figuring all of this stuff out before the event, you know, that's not yeah. the time to experiment and people, we see people at all levels that still do that. Yeah, you know, so uh, during the events, not not time to experiment. Yeah. Make it a lifestyle and just a daily routine. As far as the little things, stretching for Epsom salt baths, yeah, hydrating, eating well, yeah, and and good sport nutrition. I, I don't yeah. want I don't want to like necessarily plug hammer, but you know, going back to the U.S. Postal, like I think you guys were, you know, there's some probably affiliation with Power Bar or something along those lines, and people are like. So when I tell my fueling story, like when I tell, um, you know, more of a hammer talk, it's, you know, what was my first introduction to sport nutrition? It was like, what are the guys ahead of me that are, right. are doing like Gatorade and Powerade and right. yeah. um, it, going back to testing and finding what works for you? It's just because, you know, the pro guys are using it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you should be using. Right. That's, that's marketing. That's a business, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, so sure. yeah, figuring out these things in, in training obviously is, is very much key. So nutrition and stretching and rolling out and listening to your body, uh, ultimately. So it's probably so, the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. Being old guys, right? I have a question for you. <laughs> oh, this is turning to the Ryan. This is turning to the Ryan Corey. No, being right. it's, it's, it's your it's podcast. Man. Right. Yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> have you seen any crazy animals out there on the on the? Uh, well, the. As far as grizzly bear concerns yeah, are actually, on, on the divide, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they extend essentially from Banff, so the start of the route, all yeah. the way down to um, actually Helena, yeah. I think, is where you yeah. say your grizzly bear concerns kind of start to yeah, tear off a little away, bit. Yep, for sure. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, you're in that country for I'm sure. I'm in that country, yeah. I, I've seen... I've seen um, a brown bear. I haven't seen any grizzlies, which is surprising when you talk. I like my last, the podcast that will air before this one is with the Yellowstone, a Yukon uh, conservative, conservation group. So it's a wildlife corridor. Oh, up awesome. From uh, the, yeah. the park. Yeah. Well, park to park, really. Because that's all a wildlife corridor yeah. for, uh, you know, primarily for grizzly bears. Yeah. And, the, you know, the divide goes right through it. Um, so it's surprising. I've only ever seen small, uh, you know, brown bear. Um, you know, as far as animals that scare me, if you ever, if guys ever come to Canmore, like around uh, rutting season for elks, I'd be more scared of an elk in rutting season, like when they're, yeah, oh right, the right. Red, ready to, oh, ready right. to, right. you know, right. ready to go. Right. Um, like a, to to me, a bear is predictable. Sure. I can call out if I'm in a forest corridor. I'm making noise. 
you know, if I see berries around me, like I, I'm looking for these yeah, things, right? right. But an elk, uh, you know, horny elk, you're like, <laughs> very, it's a little hard, hard to predict, right? How fast. Yeah, and we, we, and where Sarah and I live up in Canmore, we're right in a wildlife corridor. So, like, oh, really? we yeah. saw them walking yeah. right by our window the other day. Um, you, so, there's the obvious suspects, the, the things you can, the big things, the elk, um, bears. Yeah. Um, but honestly, uh, the, you know, if someone were to ask me what scares me, it's people. It's people. Yeah, oh, they're really? people. It's always people really um people animals are predictable people are not sure yeah sure. and um it's you, you know the nature crazy stories i'm sure well the nature of what we do on you know gravel back roads like who's track like who's back yeah there? who's back there right yeah, right yeah and um i hate to say it more often than not well you get your your rancher contingent in the u.s like going through montana yeah sure there's a lot of that hunters um hunters that sh- Maybe should or shouldn't be doing what they're doing from a window, like yeah. a gun out the window. Right. Oh, I remember right. pulling up on that. And maybe alcohol involved too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, yeah, I, w- I would say if I'm afraid of anything, it's the it's human nature, and uh, you know. So when I'm taking precautions, I'm smart about my food and packing when I set up camp. But I hate to say it, but you know, I pull off the road not to get away from animals. I pull off the road to get away from people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm turning off my blinky lights before I set up camp. I turn off all my lights. You know, while I'm on the road, I assess. Like, I look down the trail, look up. I know, were there any lights coming up behind me? And, uh, yeah, it's un- unfortunate, but it's it's real. But, you know, these are all also the same people that can all quite often surprise you and when you're in a tough spot. Bail you out. Bail right. you out. For sure. Yeah. So you give people the benefit of the doubt, but... You, you yeah you be guarded a little bit yeah yeah so what you know you've done a lot of road riding you've done a bit of mountain biking like so tell me a little bit more about like what about the bike packing interests you well i've always loved like hiking hiking is my parents took took me out as a kid me and my brother and my sister out hiking a lot as kids and we spent a lot of time in the white mountains in new hampshire okay um skiing hiking recreating are you folks still out that way? They're all back still in this town I grew up in in Massachusetts, Marblehead. Oh, okay. Um, so I've always really enjoyed hiking, and to me, uh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, come on in. Sasha. Sasha from the bike show. Hey, Sasha. Hey. They're they're cleaning up. We're we're utilizing their office space. So thank you, Sasha. Uh, but yeah, bike packing is interesting to me because it's kind of like you know, it's like hiking, but you're tra- you're uh, you're. They're spending more time out there, creating uh, longer distances, seeing more things, you know, yeah. getting to explore more territory, really. Yeah. And so, um, I've never done any. I've mountain bike before, obviously, but never done any sort of camping on mountain bikes or anything like that. Yeah. Does the the racing end of it appeal to either of you, or is it more the touring side of it? I, for me, it's more the touring side of it and the, yeah. the sense of adventure. I, yeah, I kind of well. grew up in a similar way. I grew up in Colorado, and my family was always outdoorsy and active. And on, you know, every weekend when I was young, we were hiking or camping, and, and I thought everyone grew up that way. Yeah. I thought everyone was camping or hiking and out exploring every weekend. And so the thought of, you know, just being able to do that and kind of get lost with your own thoughts in the wilderness on a bike what 
it's better than that. So yeah. that's that's what intrigues me, and I want to learn more about it. Yeah. I, and yeah. I can only assume you have uh, uh, more than a handful of. Uh, there's probably a couple A type clients out there that are you know. Oh, we got plenty. Yeah, it's going. Fun. You know, it's funny. You, you almost need to do like a backcountry trip as like detox for these guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's not detox because our our clients they all become friends and it's becomes an extended family for sure um but we had the conversation we've had this conversation a lot i think that in general people that are drawn to endurance sports are typically kind of type a yeah and usually when they get to the point where they're going to hire a coach that's even more so so you know the biggest challenge in our job is saving people from themselves it's really rare that we have to tell someone to do the hard work and go harder yeah. It's usually showing them how to rest and win. So, yeah. but uh, no, it's just another another avenue to have fun on the bike is the way I see it. So, um, I I, can, I assume you guys have been around the states quite a bit. You've seen a lot of your your home country, and uh, you know now knowing that knowing now that you have this new discipline to get out into the backcountry and explore the trails, you know, further than you've been before, you know, further beyond the cross country networks of you know what's in town knowing what you know of the states like where would be some of the top places you'd want to explore oh that's a good question i, I want to check out i don't know Gl- glacier national park yellowstone that whole corridor really yeah that what you were just talking about um yeah. and i think i don't know you should come down there and you can go cruise around i haven't done the the going to the sun road yet so oh yeah well, yeah it could start with a i've driven know, it in a car not on a bike yet but I'll, yeah that's on my bucket list so there would be a good route. You do you do that paved stretch, get it out of the system, and then yeah. um, you continue continue up uh, the Flathead Valley through uh, the back way through Glacier up to a little uh, place called Pole Bridge, oh, yeah. a little mercantile. Oh, yeah, I've the, been there. Oh, you have been? Yeah, oh, okay. by car, by car. Okay, yeah, and then you Beautiful. continue up to, uh, up to Canada. So Glacier, yeah, oh, th- yeah. that's somewhere I, I, well, going to the Sun Road for sure I want to check Pole out. Pole Bridge is awesome. Cool little town. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And Jim, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's a good question. I I mean North America it's so it's so vast and I guess in the States, you know, there's a there's every kind of terrain you can think of. I love the West and, and the Southwest. So I think for me, um I mean it's a no brainer just become more familiar with maybe some remote parts of Colorado, but I'd like to find maybe a a cool place to kind of get away in, in, in the Southwest. I mean, New Mexico, Arizona, yeah. Utah, Nevada, some remote, um, wide open country. Yeah, like Old West. Yeah, nice. yeah, West right, right. Well, you guys do that. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, when we were over there for, uh, running some cycling camps, I connected with a few people about that. But unfortunately, uh, the lava rock is not conducive to... Uh, 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 you know, riding off road too tough. much. It's tough on your yeah yeah bike tires. It's challenging riding though. It's great riding in Hawaii, Maui. Yeah, cool. So what, what what's next for you guys? Where, where are you headed? You know what? You we got some st- camps. We still don't know what we want to do when we grow up. We're figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. No, we do. We have some camps. Uh, one in uh, Colorado and Vail, um, June third for five days. Um, we're doing a ride in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, um, in June as well. And you, uh, you did read my book, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a unique relationship with Mexico. I know. Actually. I know you do. I know you do. We'll take your advice. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to it. Um, 
individual client rides. I think yeah. Tyler, you're spending some time on the East Coast um, with your family and friends next yeah, month. Yeah, visit my family, doing a charity ride with my dad for the Wounded Warriors. Yeah. Are you guys still Washington. doing the annual uh, family? Uh, was it croquet or the, the crazy croquet? The crazy croquet, Even croquet lion cheating. They, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, my brothers leading the charge now yeah yeah we did that's a version fun. of my house though with my parents last summer oh yeah that's right yeah that's right. i think my 13 yeah. year old daughter won you should video <laughs> you should video that yeah crazy croquet go viral yeah go viral. <laughs> I, can, I can help on these things uh, uh cool well you know it it, it wasn't necessarily a full-on bike packing conversation but it's you know it, it was a unique opportunity and i'd be remiss if if i didn't take advantage of it and you the, the fact that you guys were open to it and, and just the, the conversations you had with everyone at the show this weekend, it, it was pretty cool to see how open you were. You weren't off on a pedestal somewhere and hiding away. You were, you were right in the middle of it. And so much so that, you know, as we were taking down, Tyler was like carrying people's tables out to their cars and helping take down. And uh, Jim and Tyler are both very much like that. And, you know, it speaks to their character and again kind of reinforces that you know that fact that we started with that you know these are people and they're humble and they're real and uh have faults and they've admitted to them um but they're they're cool dudes and uh you know you got to give people a chance um and uh you got to give people a chance to tell a new story you know live their life beyond what you know what we know in the news and uh you know hopefully hopefully we touched on that a little bit and uh Thanks for having us on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it's sure. Been great to get to know you and keep up the awesome work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sounds like it. you guys might be coming back up, uh, hopefully for yeah, a training might, camp or something with Sasha and it, Peter. And yeah, might, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, Canadian so, Rockies. Yeah, this summer we can't wait. We'll yeah, be back. Canadian Rockies are here. It's an okay place to ride a bike. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, I. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just freeforming here, but you know, it's it's been cool to get to know you, and I don't feel like I get to know a lot of people on a real personal level, and that, like something about I think our collective stories allowed us to like talk on a different level. Yeah. And I haven't been able to you know share and hear, you know, you know from someone else like that in a long time, and it's it's been good for me, and you know, thank you, thank you for that, and I hope we can we can build on this whatever that is let's let's keep it going oh for awesome. sure the feelings oh. the feelings mutual thank yeah. you yeah cool it's, it's fun well there you have it folks episode uh, 18 of the bike pack cannon podcast with uh jim capra and uh mr tyler hamilton and uh sasha who's half asleep on the floor <laughs> thanks for uh, being a bystander on this one <laughs> cool thanks guys thanks everyone bye thanks, now buddy. Yeah.